Awesome. I think you'll find out more about these tears in just a minute, a few moments. Um, we are in the final week of a series that we titled Covenant and Kingdom. And let me stop for a minute. How many of you guys are enjoying this summer that we've had so far? Man, you know, having not been born and raised in Alaska, I will tell you that I don't recall a summer quite like this. How many lifelong Alaskans or long-time Alaskans? Any of you recall a summer like this in the recent past? Um, watch somebody say, well, back in 1971, it was it the 90s? Long, you lifelong Alaskans, I tell you. But my point is a spectacular summer, and I've said all along, and I'll continue to say it, you know, I really believe it's a sin before God if you pray all winter for summer and then spend every weekend in this church. You are the church. Go out and be the church. Go out and enjoy the summer. Send your tithe and your offerings, and, uh, and go out and enjoy God and each other, and then we'll all collect back here in the fall and celebrate the things that God is doing. So... Uh, enjoy the summer. I want to bring one thing to your attention. Alandra did a great job with the announcements. There's one uh, that I wanted to hit, and I want to draw your attention to the bulletin under women's ministry. There is a, um, a coat drive, I believe, and um, what's that? Blanket drive. Thank you. Natu back there. Raise your hand, Natu. She is the person that's in charge of this, and so please talk with her if you're interested about the blanket drive. It is for a good cause, okay? Now, next week we begin a brand new series that I've titled What Every Christ Follower Should Know, and it's a six-week series where we're going to dive into some very interesting topics, subjects and topics that you are likely to run into and have, someone's going to question you about uh, as, as you are a follower of Christ, deepening your relationship with him. We're going to talk about issues of Christianity. We're going to talk about the Bible, what's in there, the things that you should know over the next six weeks, okay? And I think it's going to be a great series. It's one that you won't want to miss, so stay tuned for that. We'll start that next week. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and I've titled the message today, It All Comes Down to This. It all comes down to this. Now, we serve, here's a statement, the opening statement here, we serve a promise-making, covenant-keeping God. And God, our Father, is intentionally and willfully and purposefully moving all of human history towards his desired end. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that we as human beings can do to stop that. Nothing. His purpose will be fulfilled. So what we have to do is we have to make a choice. We either have to join God in what he is doing, or we can get swept away in the wake of what he's doing, but his purposes will be fulfilled. That said, this whole series has been about us rediscovering how, how God's purpose and his presence is so intricately woven throughout the history of mankind and specifically throughout the pages of the Bible from cover to cover. When we start this series, we, we started with a man named Abraham, remember? And I said, Abraham was called from God out of his country. God said, leave your country to a land that I have yet to show you. Leave everything behind. 
And, and Abraham did. And the Bible says by faith he moved towards the purpose of God in his life, and God richly rewarded him for that. As a result of Abraham's faithfulness, God made some promises to him. And one promise in particular was very important to Abraham. He said in Genesis chapter 17, verse 6, he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between I will establish my, my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That was God's covenant promise to Abraham. Then over the last several weeks, we took a look at other Old Testament characters and looked at several lives, Joseph and David and Ruth, and, and we saw that, that in their lives, God's covenant promise to Abraham was being fulfilled. So now let's fast forward now to the New Testament, okay? In Luke, the fourth chapter, the Bible says that Jesus had just successfully finished a 40-day fast. And he had been tempted of Satan in the wilderness. And, uh, hmm. and as a result of that temptation, he grew stronger. And the Bible tells us that he came out of the wilderness with power and authority. Then the Bible says he went into the synagogues to teach, as was his custom. Now let's pick it up in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and he read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, listen to Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. I can just see Jesus looking around. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And here's what Jesus is saying. It comes down to this. Messiah has come. Messiah is here. I am the Christ, the long-awaited prophesied one. And then Paul goes on to tell us, because remember, God made promises to Abraham, and one of the promises was that he would, he would number his offspring like the sands of the, of, the, of the earth and like the stars of the heaven. And then Paul goes on to say, he says, but God didn't say offsprings. Galatians 3, he said offspring, which was an indication that God was referring to the coming of Jesus as Messiah. So now we know the story. Jesus came and he died and he rose again on the third day. And he's now seated on the right-hand side of the Father. And it's a, it's a powerful story, but that 
that's not the end. It doesn't stop there. Because through Jesus Christ, the covenant has been fulfilled. Through Jesus Christ, the king of all creation came down and walked amongst us and lived with us. But it gets better. Because now he lives in us, in us, and he works through us. And those who are willing to surrender to his lordship, to his kingship, becomes citizens of his kingdom. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, our lives are lived between two realities, two. Here's where the series comes in. This is what we've talked about for the last six weeks. The realities are covenant relationship and kingdom representation. Jesus tells us what that looks like in John, the 14th chapter, where he says this, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And in this statement, Jesus really is implying three things about covenant and kingdom. He says, whoever believes in me, which is a high invitation to relationship, into covenant relationship, it's a, it's a high invitation into the presence of God and the promises that he has for us in that covenant relationship. Promises like, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. And if you believe in me, that's available to you. Don't miss that. We serve the only true and living God who has promised to be not just with us, but in us. His power is available. Intimacy in his presence is available for us. The second implication here is that we will also do the works. He said, you will do the works that I do. You'll do those works. And that's a high challenge of kingdom representation where life finds its richness and fullness and completion as we become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And then the third implication is this. He says, and greater works than these you will do because I'm done. I'm going to the Father. But now I get to work through you. You become my hands and feet. You become my heartbeat in this earth. You become the person through which I write my story. And family, everybody, every single one of us in here have a story. Every one of us. So the kingdom of God is advancing and, and God has a plan to recover everything that was lost in the garden when we forfeited relationship through Adam's disobedience. And God's plan to advance his kingdom in this earth 
is by filling it up with covenant children that are in relationship with him. And so for those of us who have embraced the good news of Christ, we began to experience this new abundant relationship, a new and different life that we, that's available to us as followers of Christ, a life that's rich and full and thick with purpose, filled with his story and full of ours. Everybody has a story. God is always speaking. He's always speaking. You know, many of you know parts of my story. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you about the journey to becoming a pastor here. And I will tell you that, you know, as a, as a church kid, as a preacher's kid, um, watching my father pastor church, Eric, I wanted nothing to do with pastoring a church. I was okay being the guy, that's just how I'm, I'm wired, being the guy that, that pushed people into God's best for them, pressing people to achieve what it is that God wants for them to achieve. I'm satisfied with that. I got great pleasure in doing that, watching people fulfill God's kingdom purpose in their life. Happy with that. I'm going to let you into my personal life. My wife is holding her breath right now. I'll tell you how this journey started for me. I had been feeling God speaking to me, hearing his voice, and I, my wife and I had started to talk about what that looks like for, for us. I knew that God was calling me to something greater, but I had no idea what it was, and he wouldn't show me what it was. I just had this unction until February 16, 2011. I wrote this in my journal. I'm going to read it verbatim. February 16, 2011, at 0545. For you military people, you know what that means. That's 545 in the morning. Last night, I had the most vivid dream I've had in a long time. I dreamed that I was walking along this paved road. It was a beautiful day, pretty blue skies, very clear and sunny. There was a warm and gentle breeze blowing as we moved along. I was not alone. I was with someone that I'd known for a long time. And it started out that that person was a guy named Melvin that I've known almost all my life. Pelzetta was with me also. But her presence was very different. It was like she was behind me and beside me at the same time. It was like we were one. We were traveling down this highway at car-like speeds, yet we were running effortlessly, almost gliding or rolling as, we were in a, as if we were in a vehicle. We traveled through this beautiful hill-type terrain with rolling plains of golden wheat-type fields on each side of the road. The views of this journey were spectacular. 
It felt like a roller coaster ride up and down and round and round, winding curves, breathtakingly beautiful. I remember discussing with my friend in Palzetta the gorgeous places to build a house or a church. At times, we would be high enough in the hills to see the, the valleys below, and we were continuing to travel, and we headed towards this mountainside. It was directly in front of us. And I remember that we had traveled so high in elevation that we could feel the cool mountain air coming from the mountain as we approached it at breakneck speed. Closer and closer, the mountain got, and I remember thinking, we're going to hit it if we don't slow down. I could see the snow and the glaciers on the mountain face. Then suddenly the road dropped almost straight down. It was getting very dark now, and, I was, and it was tough to see. And we were now moving at ever-increasing speed. And I remember thinking, we are going way too fast, and there is nowhere for us to go. If there's a sharp turn anywhere, we won't make it. And at this point, I realized that just like, just as before, I realized that just before the drop, that the friend that I had and was traveling with me was now out in front, leading. And I also realized that it wasn't Melvin, but it was someone else. I knew and I trusted this person with my heart and with my life and the life of my wife and my children. No way we make this turn, I said, no way. But around the turn we went, never slowing down, just rolling along at incredible speeds. We weren't gliding or rolling anymore. We were running. Pelzetta was running with me, and she had no trouble keeping up. And I do remember vividly being aware of my desire to make sure that she was protected well. We ran through this construction site, this huge building. At times, my friend would just be almost out of sight, and each time that he would almost get out of sight, he would stop and he would turn and look at me, and as soon as I'd get a certain distance away, he would turn and run again. He was leading the way. We never slowed down. At one point, my friend had run up the, these stairs, and he turned the corner and disappeared, and I didn't see where he went, and without hesitation, Pelzetta said to me, I know where he went. Follow me. So I tucked in behind her, and she led me to the point where she asked me, there he is. Do you see him? You got it? And she stepped back again to my side and let me lead again. Never slowing down, my friend passed through this huge set of double doors into this large room filled with copper pipe. This piping appeared to be part of this giant boiler system or something. And I watched as my friend ascended this pipe structure at times he appeared almost snake-like as he maneuvered his way through these pipes. And when he reached the threshold, he looked down at me as if to say, come on, Greg. I thought, no way I can do this. And so I started up making my way through this piping system. And at times, this space was so narrow that I couldn't fit through. And I would almost, I would have to stretch the pipe gently, but with much force and just enough to get my shoulders through. And I thought that if I can get through, Pelzetta can get through. And as I made my way through this piping, occasionally I would reach down and help Pelzetta through. 
Just as I made it to the top, my friend looked down at me and turned and ran again. And when I reached the top, I reached down and pulled Pelzetta through. And I looked down and discovered that I had created a, a path for Pelzetta and, more importantly, a path for others to follow. And then I woke up. Then, as I talked with the Lord, talked to the Holy Spirit, this is what he revealed to me. He said, I don't want you to follow anyone else but me. You'll go through valleys and mountains and beautiful rolling plains, wonderfully paved roads, but you will also experience steep drops and winding curves and twisting, puzzling times of uncertainty that require much prayer, thought, and strength. And Pelzetta will be there with you. She will follow you, and that time she will lead you, and I will lead you through her, and don't be afraid of this. And she will follow me, and she will follow me through you. And that was what I wrote on that day. Now, let me tell you that that was back in February, February 16th. On April 28th, early in the morning, I was taking my wife coffee, as is my custom. I always do that. And I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me so clearly to put my name in the hat. That's all he said. And I knew in my spirit what he was talking about. And so that morning I went and I sat down with Dan Gerald, who has been a, a spiritual mentor for me. And I said, you know, Dan, I, I just want to tell you that I, I really feel like I heard the voice of the Lord this morning. He said to me to put my name in the hat. And what that means to me is that if change point is starting a church that I'd be interested in some form of leadership, but I, I, don't, I don't feel compelled to any other place but to the northeast side of town. And Dan looked at me as if I was growing another head. And he said to me, he said, Mac, have you talked to Jim Capaldo? Capaldo was our missions pastor. And I said, no. He said, you need to talk to Capaldo today. And so I went and I sat down. I went to look for Jim, and he wasn't there. Then that afternoon, I heard his voice in the lead pastor's office, Jay Pullins. And uh, as I walked up to his office, I heard my name. So I looked around the corner. I said, hey, Jay, how you doing? I said, Jim, when, I get, when you get some time, can I talk to you? And Jay says, Mac, what are you doing right now? Come in and sit down and talk to us. Tell us what God is saying to you. So I went in and I sat down in the office and I, I took him back to the dream and then I took him back to the voice of the Lord that I heard in my spirit so differently than I'd ever heard it before. It was like my own voice speaking through me. It was that comfortable. And those guys, I remember them showing each other. They said, Jim, you see this? Yeah, Jay, you see this? We got goosebumps on our arms. And then this is what they said. They said, Mac, this is what you couldn't know. We've been talking for about a year, almost a year and a half, about planting a church, the first church that Change Point will ever plant. Said, and, and we were about a week and a half away from putting out a job announcement that would go nationwide. The job announcement would include someone that was hopefully of ethnic descent, that had some kind of military background, that wouldn't be afraid of cultural and cross-cultural communications. 
that would know the DNA of our church so we wouldn't have to worry about what he was teaching. And we were thinking that we would have to wait a year to a year and a half. That person would have to come and sit down and be part of our family, and our family would embrace him. So what you've done, what God has done through you in a moment's time is answer all of those questions. And so on September or in September of that year, this church was born. Now, why did I tell you all that? Because I'm not special. God is always speaking. And he talks to each one of us differently, but he is speaking nonetheless. And when it comes to covenant relationship, Connie, and when it comes to kingdom responsibility, God is, is pushing us into what he has for us, deeper and deeper into relationship. He's always speaking. The question you have to ask yourself as we talk about covenant purpose and, and kingdom re responsibilities and representation is if God is speaking, what is he saying to me about how he's uniquely designed me, Michelle? How he's uniquely wired me to impact and influence the kingdom of God for his purposes. What is he saying to me? And then ask him, Father, what do you want me to do about that? The more we ask God those questions, what are you saying? The deeper we press into covenant relationship. God wants, listen, God wants each of us to have intimate relationship with him. And the more we ask God what he wants us to do about it, the more we'll see God press us into kingdom purpose. God is speaking. Lee, you can bring, or, or Jose, you can bring your team up. I want to end with this today. I told you about the dream because if you, those that are really close to me know what, what my family has gone through over the last two years has been nothing short of incredible, unbelievable. And I'll tell you, this last week, two weeks ago, I had a young man come down and sit, with, sit down and talk to me, and here's what he said to me. He said, I didn't understand why God had you do what you did, but I know now that God had you do what you did so that he could make me hit rock bottom so I could find my sufficiency in him and him alone. And this last week, my wife and I, we, we had hit rock bottom, and we were lamenting before the Lord. And I'll tell you, I was standing, I was standing in front of my bed, and, and I'll never forget it because the visual image that came to me was, you guys ever see the UFC fighters where, you know, somebody's got somebody in a stranglehold like this and the guy's trying to fight and he's fighting and after a while he knows he can't get away, so he just taps? You guys know what I'm talking about? 
Now, y'all ain't so holy that most of y'all have already watched UFC. Don't just, don't, don't go away on me now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it was like that for me, man. I'm, tears are streaming down my face, and I'm like, I'm done. If you don't come through for me, I can't do this. You do what you do, and let me do what I do. So I backed away. My wife backed away, and we watched God do some stuff within a day that would blow your mind. We serve a promise-making covenant keeping God that is seeking intimate relationship with us. And the deeper we get into relationship with him, the more we will see him show up for us as only God can. That's what this series is all about. That's what God is inviting you into. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. We're going to celebrate a brand new covenant that was written in his blood. A covenant that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. And no matter what you go through, I am more than enough. Why don't you stand? Father, may my brothers and sisters who are going through things right now fully be able to, to appreciate and know that you are able to do what you said that you will do in their lives if they're submitted to them because you are not a man that you should lie. You are God. You have the name that is above every name, Lord Jesus. You are the Messiah, the Lord of all. May we grow deeper in relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen.